Hi, Loyal Origins Ventures podcast listeners, Devin here. On today's episode in our startup series, I talked to David Rabbi, co-founder and CEO of Chicago-based Tavala. Origin led Tavala's seed fundraising round in 2015, as well as their Series A raise in December of 2017. In this conversation, David and I unpack his company a little bit. It's part combination oven, part cooking app, and part meal kit service. And we also talk about his experience in Y Combinator, launching a product on Kickstarter, how to build relationships with investors, and more. I thought this was a great conversation. Hope you enjoy. Okay. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, I'm now on with David Rabbi, co-founder and CEO of Kavala. Hi, David. Hey, Devin. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for coming on. I'm glad we can make this work. Uh, so my first question is, for those who may not know, what is Tavala? Yeah, so Tavala is a, uh, a dinner solution. Um, at least right now, it's dinner. And uh, the, the product comes in two parts. So we make a countertop steam oven. It comes with a mobile app that's got tons of recipes on it. And the whole idea is how do you make cooking easier? How do you make dinner easier? So let's say you want to make a piece of salmon. You put your salmon in the oven, push the salmon button on your phone, and our chefs have figured out the perfect way to cook it using some steam, some dry heat, and some broiling so that your salmon comes out moist and juicy, but still with a nice char on top. And literally all you did was push a button on your phone. And so it's, it's a tool to empower people that want to cook and want to cook a little easier uh, on the, on the nights that they do on the nights they don't want to cook. We have a meal delivery service that is designed just for the oven. So we prep meals every week that are chef's design, ship them to your doorstep. You spend about a minute prepping the meal, put it in the oven, scan a QR code and the oven cooks the meal automatically. Every meal cooks in 20 minutes or less. And the idea is that you get a fresh, healthy home cooked meal, but you're really not doing any work. Awesome. So, you know, when, when you do want to cook, so it sort of, you know, increases your repertoire as a home chef. And when you don't, you know, it's sort of like another meal kit service, but, you know, cutting out the step of having to prep and clean. Is that right? That's exactly right. Yep. No prepping, no cleaning, and, and even no cooking in a sense, like the oven is doing all the cooking for you. And, and part of the magic is that it's changing temperatures depending on the stage of the, the recipe. It's changing the way it's heating. You know, it might do a little bit of steaming, then it might bake it, it might broil it. It just depends on the, the meal that's going in. And, and part of the, the, the magic is that all of your ingredients go in simultaneously. So for folks that cook and know the pain of needing to boil their grains on the stove and roast their veggies in the oven and, you know, use another appliance, our chefs have figured out the best way to cook many different ingredients all at the same time. That's awesome. It's just all in one. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's obviously a multifaceted product. It's, it's hardware, it's a meal kit service, you know, it's an IOT connected, it's got a software piece. So, you know, I, we had talked a little bit beforehand, but so how did, how did you come up with that? You know, what sort of led you on this journey to saying, I'm going to build a dinner solution? Yeah, I, so I've personally been passionate about healthy eating for most of my life. And I've worked in this space for a long time as well. And when I was in business school, I looked at all of the available solutions out there for dinner, um, you know, whether it was meal kits, uh, fast food, fast casual, delivery, takeout, frozen food, on and on and on. And I felt like every single one of them required some sort of compromise. 
And each one was trying to solve a different part of the pain point of dinner, whether it was the prepping, the shopping, the cooking, the cleaning. Uh, but, but again, like some weren't healthy enough, some were too expensive, some took too much time. And as I thought more and more about this problem, I thought, how can we build something that does everything from sourcing the ingredients to cleanup? And the solution we came up with was a product essentially where we work directly with farms and different food companies to source our products. We do all of the prep in our own kitchens. We have a team of chefs that have worked all over the world to design the recipes so that the way they cook in their test kitchen is the same way it cooks in your home. Mm -hmm. The meals get shipped. And then we've built this oven that is designed specifically to cook our meals. And for the folks that don't want to clean, the meals cook in recyclable aluminum. You can eat them out of those tins, recycle those tins, and there's no cleanup. Wow. And, and this was a, a crazy idea when we came up with it three and a half, four years ago, because mm-hmm. we do run hardware, food, and software businesses. But mm-hmm. that's why it works so well. That's why the, the solution is so effective is because all those parts work in harmony together. Yeah, and and we do have a Tavala in our office now, and you know, seeing seeing the product now versus you know back when it launched the public versus I had heard stories from uh, from Jason who we'll talk about in a second about you know one of the first couple iterations he calls it a hacked humidifier. So I mean, how did it you know how did you sort of develop and iterate uh, the product from the time that you first kind of had the idea until already, you know, where we are now post series a shipping food across the country. How did the product iteration look? Yeah. So when I was in business school, we worked with a product development firm that had some engineers in China and this was something I bootstrapped myself. So, so mm-hmm. funds were, were pretty low um, and essentially built a, a very early proof of concept where mm-hmm. we could walk into a room, push a button on our computer, that computer would communicate over Bluetooth with the device. The device had multiple different chambers. Each chamber operated independently. So you could cook three different things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically show people this was possible at a very, very infant stage. That prototype looks like a humidifier, didn't work great, right. uh, you know, didn't have all the cooking functionality we wanted. But when I was in business school, we went through what you know, uh, Booth's business plan competition, the New Venture Challenge, and this prototype was enough to show people like, okay, like they built something that kind of works, kind of shows this is possible, mm-hmm. and at this stage, like that's viable, and that I think was one of the main reasons we ended up winning that uh, competition. Yeah. From there, uh, mm-hmm. I met my co-founder Brian, and, mm-hmm. and I like to say that was probably the best decision and the most important decision I've made in the last three and a half years with the company. Yeah. And Brian was running his own business, but he's a guy who's not afraid to get his hands dirty. And together with our, our first engineer, Peter, mm-hmm. we ended up buying uh, a product on Amazon that was similar to uh, you know what we ultimately ended up wanting to ship. And we hacked it and basically put in a barcode scanner, put in our own circuit board, put in some branding and taught it how to make a meal. And so that was much closer to what would end up being the finished product. And we were able to use that to raise a larger round of funding and get into Y Combinator. Yeah. Yeah. That, so that definitely makes sense. And, you know, going from this idea and being able to sort of, you know, go from a concept to here, we have a physical product and you can actually scan. 
you know, like even that I feel like is, is so much product development that, you know, the majority of startups, you know, don't, don't have to do in their life cycle. And then that was only getting you to Y Combinator. So I guess continue that story. I mean, what was Y Combinator like for you guys? You know, what did it really show you? What was even the process of just, you know, going out to, to the West coast and living that lifestyle? What was that like? Yeah, I think, uh, it's, it's funny. We, it's been almost three years since we did Y Combinator and, there are still lessons from our time there that we bring yeah. back to our team now uh, that we still think are relevant, even though you know now we're at 35 full-time people and, and like mm-hmm. you said, shipping food all over the country. Um, one of the most important things that it did for us was that it forced focus. Mm-hmm. And in essence, it brought Brian and I really close together yeah. uh, because we, we lived in a house together for four months. Mm-hmm. And by the time we started, we were, we were already pretty close and we knew each other fairly well, but you know, you live in a house with someone and you, you live and you work with them, mm-hmm. it's either going to crush you and split you apart, or it's going to bring you much closer together. Yeah. And, and for us, it was the latter. Um, and, and I think that was really the foundation of our working relationship, which in essence is the foundation of the company. And that, that to me is the single most important thing we got out of YC. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and more tactically, I, I would say that we did all of the things we do now as a, as a real business, but in our kitchen, mm-hmm. right? And in our garage. So we set up a production line in our garage where we, we had 12 or 13 ovens that we had hacked together. Yeah. And we would take them to homes. We'd get feedback, bring them back to our garage, fix them up, and then do the same thing. And our kitchen served as our production kitchen. And it, it, was, it was us just making the meals we used a, an iron to seal the film on each of the trays. <laughs> oh man! Uh, we we packed them into you know cold bags that we had bought. We bought bought our own ice packs. We delivered them ourselves. Yeah. And it was the same deal here of like, hey, do do people want what we're selling? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but really, before we do anything else, and and what YC kind of drills into your head is like, focus on building product and talking to customers. Because at that stage, nothing else matters. You're, yeah. you know, you're inundated with things you can do as a founder at that stage of networking and conferences and hiring and marketing and like all of these things that could soak up a ton of time. But right. at the end of the day, if you're not building something people want, nothing else matters. Yeah. And so we were pretty focused on, on those specific things. And there was enough early signal uh, just from, you know, these pretty janky prototypes and food that we were preparing mm-hmm. that people like, they liked this concept and it resonated with them and they'd be willing to pay for this kind of convenience Yeah, that gave us confidence to kind of keep moving forward. Yeah, no, I bet it would. And then, uh, if you don't mind sort of bring us all the way through, you know, the Kickstarter launch and stuff. Cause I know that was, you know, uh, what 2017, like, like how did you decide, that's the way we want to do it. You know, did you have enough of those external signals saying, okay, enough people will pay for this. You know, let's basically crowdfund this and start building ovens or like, how did that work? The Kickstarter piece? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we did the Kickstarter while we were in YC and, and okay. Kickstarter or crowdfunding was something that we had been pitching from when I was at Booth as uh, an early way to get early adopters and some market validation. Mm-hmm. And I would say that was the plan going into YC and I think as long as we didn't get strong negative signal from mm-hmm. those early prototypes and that early feedback, we were going to do the Kickstarter. But the feedback was was pretty positive. And I think it gave us confidence like, A, people want what we're building. Mm-hmm. B, there's enough of a market here that we'll be able to raise money to fund 
the production and development of, of the actual product and actually be able to fulfill the Kickstarter. Cause we were extremely wary of being a Kickstarter that doesn't fulfill. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so I'd say there was enough evidence there and then mm-hmm. a good chunk of YC was, you know, doing all of the work leading up to the Kickstarter for it to mm-hmm. be successful. Uh, because the vast majority of the success of a Kickstarter campaign is the, you know, one to four months before it. Right. Um, and, and I think we did a really good job and, you know, that was a lot of us talking to other successful Kickstarters, us doing a lot of research, us just getting on the grounds, getting in front of a lot of potential customers. Mm-hmm. We, we got a lot of amazing press, which was just, you know, a, a lot of networking and emailing and pitching all on our, you know, we didn't have other people helping us. It was a small team then of four or five people. Um, and fortunately, the Kickstarter was really successful. We hit our goal in our first day. Yeah. And, and those customers ended up being the first customers we shipped to uh, just over a year later mm-hmm. and you know, have, are still with us. Like a good chunk of those Kickstarter customers a year and a half mm-hmm. past now are still ordering food. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's a, we're a pretty successful example, I think, and, and a good use case for Kickstarter. Yeah, no, I would think so too. So, um, disclosure, I, I kind of know the answer to this question, but you know, I do want to sort of get on tape here. So, talk about you know how Jason Heltzer, a partner here at Origin, talk about how you know Jason and kind of how he got involved in Tavala and sort of you know how it built to the point where now you know he's he's sitting on the board of your company. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I met Jason when I was a second year in business school, mm-hmm. and I had this crazy idea at the time, um, which was really just for the student body. And mm-hmm. uh, it was secondary to what I was working on with Tavala, but I was kind of excited about it. And I, I went and spoke to someone at the Polsky Center about it. And they're like, oh, you should meet this guy, Jason Heltzer. He's a VC in residency. He has office hours here, like a mm-hmm. couple hours a week. I was like, cool. So I, I go and meet Jason. This is probably like September of 2014, October of 2014. Yeah. And I pitch him on this idea. And he and again, this is not Tavala. This is an idea right. that I wanted to do at school. Mm-hmm. And I think his first thought was like, "Oh, this is actually kind of an interesting idea, but it seems pretty far fetched." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Okay," but he was helpful. He was helpful to me, and you know, and, and I went and like did a bunch of things, and then came back to him a month later, a month and a half later, and I was like, "Oh, cool! I got like A, B, C, D, E done." He's like, "Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, that's more than I expected you would get done." Mm-hmm. And anyway, <laughs> this continued over the course of. I'd say four or five months. And we got mm-hmm. to the point where we were, we were pitching the Dean of the school to do this. And like, we'd gotten buy-in from a lot of people and a bunch of, you know, services were being offered for free to do this concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think ultimately it ended up dying because I was spending so much time on Tavala and this was just kind of right. a, a fun side school project. Yeah. And, and at some point, I, I think it was like March or April of 2015, I told Jason like, Hey, I'd love your time for what I'm actually working. Right. On. Yeah. And, and that's when I pitched him on the concept. And mm-hmm. I think unlike a lot of other startups, our concept and our vision really hasn't changed much from yeah. day one. Like we've had a lot of changes tactically, mm-hmm. the form factor of the product, how we get you the food, how the food is made, all these different things. But at a high level, the vision has stayed the same. And I think fortunately for me, uh, Jason has three children their house is chaotic. Dinner is a huge problem for them. Yep. And immediately the pain point resonated with him. Yeah. And he ended up mentoring me through the new venture challenge and helping provide advice as I was thinking through different problems and challenges we had then. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of uh, my second year, before we won the new venture challenge, to his credit, he said, hey, 
I'd love for you to come in and, and meet the rest of the partnership. Um, you know, we don't typically do hardware deals, but uh, you know, we've gotten to know each other pretty well and mm-hmm. would love for the other guys to kind of hear your pitch. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I was like, that sounds great. Let, let me finish school. Let's go through the new venture challenge and then I'll come talk to you guys. Mm-hmm. And I think I came in and met the gang um, at some point in June. Yeah. Um, and, and over the course of a few weeks, they were the, the first institutional investor to, to commit to investing in us. This was July of uh, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we didn't end up getting funded until... Uh, December 9th, actually. And, and that was largely on our own part. We waited, we wanted to see how things were going to play out. And then once we got into Y Combinator, we decided um, we're going to raise some money and, and Origin was uh, the largest check in that round. And kind of like you alluded to, uh, Jason's now on our board. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I often say that we wouldn't be here without the team at Origin and Jason specifically, and that Jason is an extension of our team yeah. in terms of the amount of value that he's, he's brought to our company. Yeah, I mean that's that's great to hear as someone who you know works closely with and for Jason every day. Um, so let's let's kind of keep going on this track here uh, regarding investors. So you know, obviously, yes, you know, you and Jason have a special relationship, but you know, outside of that, you know, how do you normally assess broadly what firms you're going to approach for capital? What do you look for when you're looking to raise that next round? Yeah, I think we've been spoiled with Jason <laughs> and and Scott for that matter, but. Um, and, and the whole team, right? But I think the fact that I have, you know, what is now almost four or five years of history with Jason, and, and we know each other incredibly well, my bar is probably a little too high. Um, <laughs> and it's something I've, I've acknowledged that I have this bias that is not rational or, or good for the company. But um, I, I'd say where it starts is just more uh, tactically and practically, like, does this fund does this fund check the boxes for you know the kind of business we are? So mm-hmm. like, would they do a hardware investment? Would they do a food investment? Would they do an investment at the stage we are at? You know, oftentimes funds will publish their uh, metrics that they're looking for. You know, certain thresholds you know mm-hmm. below which they won't consider. So I think that's like the baseline that any entrepreneur should start with yep. is like, does this fund even make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there. Uh, you know, I'll do more diligence on the fund, try to find the right partner at that fund, um, and then try to get an introduction. And mm-hmm. having been in this world now for several years, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a lot of friends that are founders and, mm-hmm. and know a lot of folks. And generally, we're one step removed from another investor if we want to get introduced to them. Yeah. And, and it'll, you know, generally start with a, a phone call and just introductions on both sides. And mm-hmm. I try my best to meet with investors well before we're fundraising so that when we are fundraising, we actually know these folks fairly well. Um, yeah. And it's not you know, the first touch point. Right. Yeah. It's not just sort of a blind pitch like, you know, you might see in movies or TV. It's really, you know, you've you've done the work building relationships beforehand. You can come into a room with people you already know. Correct. Right. And and I, I think I stole this from Jason, who yeah. probably stole it from someone else. But I always <laughs> say that investors much, uh, they, they really prefer to invest on a line and not on a dot. And I think that's just human nature. Uh Mm-hmm. It's it's one thing to show up to an investor four years after you started your company and say, "Hey, we accomplished these hundred things. It was amazing." You know, I have twenty days of stories to tell you, but I only have an hour to do it. Right. Versus talking to that investor five times over the course of those three years, mm-hmm. so that they can see the progress firsthand, yeah. and that is a strategy that has worked for us 
time and time again over the course of many of our rounds of funding. We've we've uh, gotten funding from a lot of people that have said no to us mm-hmm. um, initially, but they saw our progress. And I think nothing speaks yeah. stronger than action and showing mm-hmm. that, hey, our, our team actually delivers. We, we do a lot. We've built an impressive product and team and customer base. Um, and I, I think that that's it, right? The proof is in the pudding. Yeah, that's a good adage. It's a line, not a dot. I like that a lot. Um, cool. So let's, uh, let's switch gears a bit here. So I got a couple questions just regarding sort of, uh, strategy and tactics around building this kind of company, uh, and then as well as building your team. So I guess, you know, first, and you and I have discussed this a bit, but food and meal kits specifically are such a competitive industry, you know, especially here in 2018, like, you know, I guess, how did you know that, you know, you were going to be able to make a successful bet here when there's so many other players in this space? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, you know, like when we started working on this in 2014 or 2015, it was still pretty early right. days for meal kits yeah. and, and meal delivery. And, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to be, I'm not going to say I knew exactly how it was going to play out because I, I really didn't know. But what mm-hmm. I did know is that the meal kits were solving a very specific problem that I, yeah. I still today don't think is a big problem. Mm-hmm. I think the, the problem with planning and shopping is, is small. Um, I I don't think it's a huge thing that is being solved. Um, and that has been part of our pitch for a decent amount of time. And and when we went through YC actually at demo day, a big part of our pitch was, Hey, this is the untold secret about meal kits that people don't stick with their service Mm -hmm. because it's not solving a real problem. And, and this was the beginning of 2016. So that story didn't really become mainstream, I would say, for another year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now, like the reason we stand out, the reason why our product is doing well, the reason people love it, the reason why our retention is strong, is mm-hmm. that we are solving a real problem. Right. And yeah. you, you can see, like when you go look at customer testimonials, if you join, you know, we've got this customer created Facebook group with hundreds of customers in it now. Mm-hmm. Almost every day now, someone posts and say, "Hey, I used to use." you name it, meal kit or right. meal service. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work for me because of all the reasons everyone knows. Like I got too tired to cook. Mm-hmm. I threw away the meals. It's too much effort, etc. This thing, this Tavala is the first product I found that delivers on, I'm getting fresh ingredients. They're really healthy. It actually tastes really good. But all I have to do when I get home is put on some sauces, stir a few things, put it in. Mm-hmm. By the time I'm in my PJs with my glass of wine, yeah dinner served and it's this incredible meal Mm -hmm. yeah 15 minutes later yeah to uh to clarify for listeners who who may not know the exact sort of problem that we're talking about so you know meal kits basically say okay we're gonna cut out as david said the planning and the shopping aspect but as we mentioned at the top you still have to spend 45 minutes cooking and then another what 30 40 minutes cleaning afterwards uh versus tavala takes all of it out of the equation, right? It's not just, oh, here's the recipe, here's the ingredients. It's here's the recipe, here's the ingredients. We're going to prepare it for you. Oh, and cleanup is super, super simple as well. Yep, exactly. Cool. Um, so then, you know, my, my next question is more sort of uh, on the operating side, but, you know, we talked about this a bit, but the fact that this is a hardware company, it's a food service, there's like a delivery and a logistics element to it there's a software and a mobile app like how do you kind of orchestrate and keep all these you know on the surface very different pieces of your business like 
How do you manage all this with, you know, what is still even post series A, a pretty lean team? I mean, how do you, how do you make sure that you're able to keep all those plates in the air at once? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to draw on a few different, uh, people that I respect. Uh, one is Fred Wilson mm-hmm. and he, he wrote this blog post that I think about on a regular basis of the job of a CEO and it's set the vision for your company. Don't run out of money and hire the right people. <laughs> okay. And I, that is core to how I think about leading Tabala. And that's not to say like, I'm not putting out fires. I'm not washing dishes. I'm not working in the pop-up. Like all of these different things that I do day to day, I think are really important, but I think at a high level, that's my job. And, and that kind of gets to your question of first, you got to hire the right people. The next person I'm going to cite, I think is Dan Pink, who says that the the reason people are happy at work is you got to give them autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think if you hire the right people that are extremely ambitious and you give them these huge challenges, a lot of people will rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. And so when we hired our chef, for example, Alexander, and we said, hey, look, nothing exists. <laughs> we have an oven, right. and that's it. But we have this vision of this food is going to taste amazing. It's going to cook from raw. It's going to have to last five or seven days. The menu is going to have to change on a weekly basis. All of these criteria, you've got seven months to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And he did. He figured it out. (laughs) He figured it out. And, you know, eventually we hired Eric, our sous chef, who played a huge role in that too. But like chef stepped up to the plate and like he had to prioritize and figure out what is the MVP of this product? How do we get this core MVP to the finish line and released so that we can get feedback and iterate on it? Mm -hmm. And he did it. And and I would say the same thing about Taryn, our COO. It was like, okay, nothing exists. Mm -hmm. We have to find a facility where we can keep food cold. We can pack boxes, we can prepare food, we can cook food, we can ship food, we need to make a deal with FedEx, we got to figure out how to ship boxes across the country, we got to do temperature testing, on and on and on yeah. and on, and you have five months to do it. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, she did it and it worked. And I think like, so a big part of it is hiring the right people. Sure. And then I would also say defining the MVP. Mm-hmm. So we could have kept iterating. Yeah. Like there is a world where we still haven't shipped our product mm-hmm. because we just kept on improving, kept right. on improving, kept on improving. Mm-hmm. And the reality is like Brian and I both had a very different philosophy about startups. And a lot of this came from YC, but we, we wanted to ship fast. Yeah. And so, and, and that's a hard thing to do with hardware, mm-hmm. but we defined our MVP very clearly and we shipped and our product has improved dramatically over the last 16 mm-hmm. months, whether it's the app, the food service, even the oven mm-hmm. has gotten better over time. And we've learned, you know, and, and customers are really understanding. Mm-hmm. The first customers we've had, a lot of them are with us. A lot of them knew we were a startup. A lot of them have given us tons of valuable feedback. Yeah. And the amount we've learned, the amount we've proven, the amount we've grown over the last year and a half, to me, only validates the idea of the quicker you can get to market with an MVP mm-hmm. so that you can learn and iterate, the better. And I think it was one of our biggest differentiators is that we understood that we were able to get to market with 12 or 13 people and under $3 million spent for an incredibly complex business. Yeah, that's wild. And, and you, you mentioned, I think, in a previous answer, um, you talked about the customer group on Facebook of, of people who, you know, you don't, 
you don't know these people. They're, they just happen to have found your product. And, you know, you have a legit group of evangelists here who are saying, you know, a lot of the comments on there are exactly what you want to see as, you know, an investor in this company that basically says, you know, we want this company to be successful. You know, who's tried the new food? What do you think of the new packaging? And I just think that sort of, you know, your the philosophy that you laid out about, you know, let's get it out. We know that this is going to be a valuable product. Let's get it in the hands and then iterate and improve from there. I think that, you know, again, based on that small sample of customer feedback, I think that that's being borne out successfully. Yeah. And, and the other piece I would say is we invested heavily in customer of service. Course, yeah. So we did, we did all of our own customer service. We trained our team on how to do it. And, you know, the, the main message was no matter what the customer is right, we're going to go over the top to make sure they're happy because we know there's going to be so many problems. Like yeah. we're not going to be able to figure everything out at day one. The first time we ship mm-hmm. 300, 400 meals across the country, things are going to go wrong. The first time people plug in their ovens, things are going to go wrong. First time people download their apps. Mm-hmm. And that ethos has stayed with us and our customer service is empowered and they are incredibly responsive to our customers. And, and that is something you see everywhere. If you look in the Facebook group, mm-hmm. in press, in blogs, everybody uh, is pr- praises our customer service. And it's, it's by design. Like That's something we have put a big emphasis mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And, you know, we, we have certainly as customers, you know, experienced some of that too of, you know, oh, hey, we got an error message. Like, that's okay. It does happen. Here's what to do to fix it. Right. I think you guys have been very sort of transparent and had this kind of customer first focus, you know, as, as again, a user as well as an investor. Um, So, so then, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what, what lies ahead. So, you know, I know that uh, you guys took on a strategic investment uh, from Tyson Ventures, uh, the venture arm of the Tyson Food Company in the last round. You know, what does that mean for your product development? Why is that an exciting, you know, why is that you spoke about investors you want to take capital from? Why are they a good fit? So I, I think Tyson is a good fit because, you know, what, one way we've thought about our product in the future is how can we open up more use cases for our customers? Mm-hmm. like. We're, we're never going to be able to get customers to cook 21 Tavala meals a week. Right. That's just, that's not practical, yeah. right? People want to cook other brands. They want to do other things. Yeah. What we can believe though, is that customers will cook 15, 17, 18 meals in our oven mm-hmm. with our software. Yeah. And I think we're fortunate to have an investor like Tyson because they're now incentivized to work with us on at least the first step of this vision. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea is how can we get other products to cook in the Tavala automatically yeah. and, and give people the ability to enjoy all different kinds of foods, but again, remove the, the painful, hard part of cooking when you don't want to do that, mm-hmm. right? And when you do want to prepare a big, time-consuming meal, great. Like Tavala is a great tool to do that. But if we can work with other food companies to automate the cooking of a lot of different foods, yeah. not just Tavala meals, I think it only makes the product more useful for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we as investors certainly agree. And then, so uh, last question before we wrap up here. So on the other side of that equation, right? Yes, there's the food supply side. What about sort of the customer acquisition side? You know, it's it's we know that you're looking into, you know, certain B2B partnerships, you know, regarding, you know, how can you expand to Vala's reach, you know, just through one, one partnership? Can you talk about any of those things that are maybe, um, you know, coming down the pipe in these next couple months, any of these B2B partnerships? Yeah, what the one I would talk about is we 
we are doing a couple pilots in extended stay hotels. Awesome, yeah. And if, if you think about the pain point within an extended stay hotel, you've got people that are staying in these hotels for oftentimes weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. You've got many kitchens that don't have a lot of room. A lot of these extended stay hotels are in areas where there really are not a lot of food mm-hmm. options. And most extended stay hotels have at best a mini market right. with frozen food, uh, some energy bars, you know, maybe some salads that have been there for several days and some cold sandwiches. Yeah. And the ability to automate the cooking of a, of a fresh, delicious meal in you know, 20 minutes or less is extremely appealing. And we've heard that over and over again for two years. And so you know, now that we've got more resources, uh, we, we've finally kind of taken the initiative and are, and are running two pilots in extended stay hotels. They're going quite well. And we're learning a ton, you know, we're, we're able to gather a lot of data mm-hmm. and, you know, similar to the way we did with the consumer model, this was a total MVP to start. Yeah. And, and then from there, we're going to iterate and make, make the experience better and better. Mm-hmm. We're fortunate in that the, the product really works already mm-hmm. in that application. And it's, it's more about tweaks and, and messaging and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but for us, it's a, it's a really interesting channel. Uh, both as a B2B channel, but also as a B2B2C channel. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of these opportunities with, with the product. And hotels is, is one in particular where we're, we're really excited. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's an obvious fit. And I think you guys are really smart to sort of be uh, aggressively going after that. Uh, cool. So that's all the sort of questions I have um, for uh, some of the content here. Just a, one last thing I would say is, you know, how can uh, our vast listenership, uh, how can they get it to all for themselves? Is there, uh, is there a discount code? How can they learn more? Yeah, so I would say if you go to Tavala.com, that's probably your best bet. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you use the discount code ORIGIN, mm-hmm. um, you will get $30 off your Tavala oven. Uh, and if, if you happen to be a, an avid Amazon customer, you can also buy the product there. Oh, all right. Good to know. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, David. I thought this was a great conversation. Um, and yeah, let's uh, continue to work together moving forward and let's help you guys uh, change the way that we eat. All right. Thanks for having me.